Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome with Melissa Kirscher and Wendy Bowlesby. listeners to another episode of Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome. I am one of your co-hosts, Wendy, and that is Melissa La. Take a drink. If you're playing along with the drinking game, anytime one of us breaks out into song, <laughs> take a drink. <laughs> oh, that is a good point. That happens frequently. <laughs> yes, it does. Oh my goodness. Slightly more often with you, but, but I am I am no stranger to breaking out into song. You are you, right there with you, me. You are you are better at it than I am. <laughs> I but you know. So listeners, um, several of our listeners have been sending us suggestions of stuff through the website over and above answering the listener questions, questions which so, we love you for answering questions and we love you for sending suggestions too. Yes, yes. And we love them all. And uh, if you haven't seen it yet on the website, there is now a page called recommendations you can click to and all of the listener questions suggestions that we have gotten so far that we have not yet that we have already announced on the show are accumulating there so you can see the whole list and little descriptions of everything and so you can you can look back and enjoy them so that we are slowly building the perfect pleasure dome which now has naked people from fess and fig newtons and i find that combination quite endearing oh yes yes but no fig leaves (laughs) (laughs) one of the first uh suggestions outside of listener questions that we ever got was from annie linson who just randomly dropped us a comment on uh google plus (laughs) thus proving people do use google plus every once in a while uh that uh she first of all liked dark city very much which Mm -hmm. which is great uh, Mm -hmm. and she suggests the director's cut of Dark City, which oh. is very good. Oh, sage nodding of the head. Yes. Yes, right. excellent but, radio. But we've already talked about film noir. Yes. So she did suggest a second movie. Mm. Sneakers. Sneakers! Go! And we thought we should do an episode about heist movies. I love a good heist movie. And and Sneakers is, is delightful, and I hadn't thought about it for many years, and so... Oh, it's such a good cast. A, yeah, it's a good good. I just rewatched it a couple of months ago. It, it like I was going through my DVD shelves and went, "Woo! I haven't watched that in a while." Everybody's in that movie. Everybody. Yeah, everybody, um, including I, River Phoenix, who is dead. Yeah, poor River Phoenix. Yeah. David Strathairn. I think that's where yeah. I first like noticed noticed him as like you are interesting and I like to watch you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's straight there. And uh, Dan Aykroyd being his kooky self, really. Yeah, and your first crush, Dan Aykroyd. My, my first crush. Don't think I've forgotten. Uh, uh, yeah, and being goofy. And um, uh, Sidney Poitier, Poitier, of all people, and Robert Redford, and Ben Kingsley being Ben Kingsley. Ben Kingsley, all, <laughs> all over the joint. Oh, yeah, my he's goodness. lovely. Oh, but River Phoenix, you could tell he was really not yeah. well. Oh, yeah. But that's a different story. Okay. So, but so, because it's heist movies, our wine for the evening is Layer Cake Malbec, uh, vintage 2012 from Argentina. Okay. First off, Layer Cake makes me want to drink it because dessert. Mm-hmm. Two, Malbec, always a favorite. But I got to say it again. It is not vintage if it's less than five years old. <laughs> oh, absolutely. It's like two years old. <laughs> Still very tasty, you know, especially for wine with a bottle cap on it. <laughs> I like a court. screw top. I yeah. do like a screw top. Yeah. It is pleasant. I will yeah. say it's a little, it could be a bit heartier. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's a little little thin, but you know, I uh, picked it up because I went. <laughs> Layer Cake's a good movie, and <laughs> Layer Cake, not so much a heist film, but definitely a crime film. Yeah, yeah, and, there's a, a there one. is a difference. Yes, yes. Yeah, I mean, and I love a good crime film too. So what is well? What are the tropes of a heist film? I I'd say at the most basic, a heist film is a team of people who have teamed up. You know, a team of people who have teamed up. That's a real great way to explain it. Uh, okay, you know, when you put it that way, that's so clear. I know, right? That, that have teamed up to steal something. Ooh. Yes. Oh, wait. So theft, I believe, is Okay, is key. I just rewatched this on Netflix because I wanted to see, was it as bad as I remembered? Now you see me. I haven't seen that. That's the magician film with the terrible title that I, honest to God, I could never oh. remember. I was always like, you know, the movie... About the magicians, where it's like poof. I mean, like, that's how I would describe it because I think the title is a terrible title. Did, did they? Did they? Me. Did they steal something? They do. Oh. It is heistian in its structure. <laughs> heistian. Make a note. New word. Um, I would say. Well, you should watch it, and we could have a conversation about whether it's a heist film. But no, you really don't need to watch <laughs> it's, it's it. It's not worth it. It's really not. not. not it's not it. a horrible film. It's just. Re- relentlessly dumb but there are so many other good heist films that yeah we do need to talk like mark ruffalo in it and jesse eisenberg and um uh, woody harrelson i mean he's got a solid and and my cocaine Mm -hmm. (laughs) my cocaine if you say the words my cocaine he can pronounce michael cain in his own accent my cocaine my cocaine my cocaine the combination of michael cain and a crime movie I know. Just makes me all warm and fuzzy inside. I know. And speaking of Michael Caine, all right. the Italian job. The Italian job. The original Italian okay. job. This one's on you. Oh, you haven't seen the I original? I know. Oh. I know. I actually, I'm not saying it's great. I have a soft spot for the new one. It's not terrible. Well, it has, as we know, one of my favorite people mark Wahlberg in it mark Wahlberg, also ed norton at his skeeziest yes edward norton is super fun in I, that as a villain i love watching ed norton in that movie just because he is super skeezy yeah with that kind of porn tastic yeah facial hair thing and it's and it's going. got um statham oh yes it's got jason statham it's got um oz mm-hmm. thank you seth green it's got uh charlize theron who is gorgeous mm-hmm. right i mean the cast is just relentlessly likable and and it's it's just fun so the original italian job is a lot of fun it's got that wonderful kind of mod scene crime thing that britain had going during the late mm. 60s it's got a lot of style to it it's got michael kane leading the whole cast of of ruffians who are Ooh, ruffians. Yeah, who are stealing lots of money in little cooper minis yay and it is delightful. Uh, the car scenes are amazing. If if it's got anything on the newer one, it's the car stuff is just up to eleven. It's it's amazing. I feel like the sixties. Maybe it was because everything was practical, and so, and I th- feel like maybe the car chase developed in the sixties. I'd have to like oh yeah do I'd have to do some research, but. But, like, the 60s knew how to do a fucking car chase. Mm-hmm. And I want to do a whole episode about car chase movies because yeah. I am a nerd for car chases. And the Italian job would definitely be in the center of that Venn diagram of heist movies and car chases. Well, it'd be fascinating, like, all and the way the chase has sort of evolved mm-hmm. in movies. Like, because Point Break, which is also on our list of yeah. heist movies, Point Break, of course, has a chase scene, but it's on foot. Which is great. Which is great, and it, it but it's a car chase scene. It mm-hmm. just so happens that they're on foot. Right. <laughs> it's right. super duper fun. Yeah, yeah Catherine Bigelow. But going back to Italian Job, yes, they it, there there's tons and tons of trivia just about the car chases in that movie. But if you pick up the DVD, there is a deleted scene that's on the DVD that involves Cooper Minis on ice. <gasps> Like, there's a choreographed ice skating sequence with cars. Oh <laughs> and it is ridiculous. Okay, and and, oh, and, and wonderful. That. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to have to uh, do a viewing. Yes. Mm, yes. Mm, yes. Mm, mm, yes. A viewing. Mm. A viewing.
Okay. Now, now speaking of uh, 1960s, I want to launch into another extremely stylish one called Danger Diabolic. Have you ever seen that? You've mentioned it before. Danger Diabolic is... Um, it's right there. It's, it's there in my list, yeah. So it's uh, directed by Mario Bava, Italian director. Uh, one of my favorite directors of all time, just because when you see a Bava film, it looks like a Bava film. The first time I ever saw the movie, Chris Jones said, there's a movie you need to see. I caught this on cable the other night, so I bought it. You got to see this thing. And he wouldn't tell me anything about it, so he just put it in. And the first shot comes up, and I went, this is a Bava film, isn't it? And he went, whoa! <laughs> <laughs> and, and, it's, and it's true. I mean, it, it, it just oozes Mario Bava. The, the visual style is so striking. Um, if you're a Beastie Boys fan and you've seen the video for Body Moving, uh... which is kind of the 60s spy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Every scene from Body Movement, that the, the Body Movement video is from Danger Diabolic. They recreated it very, very faithfully. That's cool. So Danger Diabolic features John Philip Law and all of his sexy John Philip Lawness as a super duper spy who steals stuff for apparently the sheer pleasure of it. It's not really high on character development, but every scene is so visually striking that you just kind of get swept along with the thing. And his nemesis in the police department is Terry Thomas. <laughs> I know, right? Uh, uh, okay. <laughs> uh, but for whatever reason, I find delightful. And and it, it's, it's just this weird blend of hyper- coolness, silly comedy, ridiculousness, and high style. Okay, then. There, there is a scene where it just opens up, and all you see, see is this pile of money on what looks to be this round dais, and then you see it start moving, and you start seeing two naked people kind of emerge out of it having sex, although the money is kind of placed across strategically. Strategic yeah. So it's like John Philip Law and his girlfriend making love under this gigantic pile of money on a rotating circular bed. Yeah. I know, right? Oh, 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 before we move on from the 60s? Yeah. I want to hit upon top copy. Real quick. Okay, you, yeah. Yeah, Top Copy, uh, uh, directed by Jules Descent, who uh, directed one of my other favorite heist films. Actually, probably like the big great granddaddy of heist films, uh, as we know him. Uh, Top Copy, uh, starring Peter Ustinov, heading like this this team that is going to steal a jewel dagger from Istanbul. Well, it's got Peter Ustinov, so right there, there's some there's uh -huh. some shenanigans happening. Oh, yeah, and, and it's super amount of fun. It is super bright colors, and it's just this kind of spectacle of style from the late 60s. It, it's just beautiful to watch. And and they, they do a lot of uh, location shooting and exotic locations. And exotic. Yeah, um, and and it's and it's just a lot of fun. When you say top copy, top copy, top copy, or top it, it copy, sounds like a publishing business. Thing. It does. When I I grew up in Kansas City, Missouri, and there is a an amusement park there called Worlds of Fun. And honest to God, the, my first exposure to the word to the concept top copy was they had a hat shop there called Top Copy <laughs> in the sort of exotic Eastern section of the park because it was worlds of fun, you see. And now, unfortunately, that means every time anybody talks about the movie, I picture hats. <laughs> True story. Did we actually finish talking about tropes besides there's a team? Oh, that's up. about all I had to say about it. There's a team that teams up. There's a team that teams up to steal shit. Well, and the team, of course, has diverse talents. Well, yeah. And there's usually one that we're not sure about, either about mm -hmm. their loyalties or about their abilities. Oh, yeah. And a lot of times their their great plan devolves and, and falls apart because of the, the personalities within the group. Yes. Yeah. So it's like a... A zombie film, like yeah, you gotta, you gotta you, watch out you, for the other people. Yeah, it's not the cops that'll do you in. Although, although I'd, I'd say that that doesn't necessarily hold true for every single heist film. There are many, no. there are many um, variations upon that theme. And of course, there's the heist film where you do the twist of, oh, it fell apart, but then actually, no, it didn't. We planned for that, mm -hmm. or this is all actually part of the plan, sort of thing. Well, I remember um, talking to someone about Jackie Brown. Okay. Yeah. Which is 
a heist film. Mm-hmm. Well, it, it's a con, but you know, it is it is a heist film. A con is a type of a type of specific heist. Yeah, and he was saying that heist films usually f- uh, follow one of two structures. You have a heist that gets pulled off, but you don't know how, and then the fun is finding out how it was pulled off. Yeah. Or you have the perfect plan in place and you follow it step by step and watch it unravel. And he said that the problem with Jackie Brown is that you have the perfect plan and it all goes off perfectly. Yeah. So there's something unsatisfying about it. Yeah, it ends up feeling a little hollow. Which which, which I agree, but you know, I would argue that probably wasn't it's hard to say that was Tarantino's intent because it was actually an adaptation of an Elmore Leonard novel, but it it seems to me like there are so many other reasons to watch Jackie Brown than to see how the heist unfolds. Yeah, I mean, the heist is really the least of your interest points in that. Yeah, it's, it, it's about watching the characters interact. Yeah, it really is. Oh, and they're so fantastic. And the clothes. I just love the clothes in that one. Yeah. Generally, heist films have a sense of fashion. Mm-hmm. Like the Thomas Crown Affair. Absolutely. Even the new one. With, well, yeah, both of them. Yeah. yeah. But, oh, Pierce Brosnan really knows how to rock a suit. Oh, yeah. that Tom, Thomas Crown Affair, I mean, it's fun to watch for the heist, but the most intriguing thing for me about that movie is the relationship between Pierce Brosnan and Renee Russo. Oh, yeah. Because... That's why you watch it, because it's hot. It is totally hot. Those people are having the most fun sex in the universe. I think that's the most fun sex I've ever seen in a movie. I'm jealous of the sex that they are having, (laughs) and I have good sex. Yeah. I am not disappointed in my sex life, but they are having better sex than Mm -hmm. me. That is for damn sure. That's like better sex than everybody. (laughs) And I love love a needlessly complicated con, right? Yeah. It's part of why I enjoy the new Italian job. Because when you really think about it, with the three cars, it's needlessly convoluted and complicated. There's mm-hmm. no way that you could actually coordinate all that. It, it would all actually fall apart. But who cares? It's just <laughs> fun. Rafifi, yeah. tell me more about it, Melissa. <laughs> so going back to Rafifi. <laughs> <laughs> so going back to Rafifi, uh, director Jules Descent, uh, it probably has the best just all around heist scene of all time. And it's one of the first ones. I mean, it kind of struck the pace for all other heist movies to come after it because the whole centerpiece of the movie, like right dead center of the movie is this, I don't know, 20 minute long scene that happens entirely without dialogue as this team of people break into a bank. Okay. And you see every single step of what they're doing and just the sheer mastery of what they're doing. It's, um, if I remember right, the movie was based on a true story of something that actually happened in Mexico. Oh. And if I remember right. So let's go to trivia. Mexican authorities pulled the movie from theaters after multiple Uh, burglaries were committed, employing methods similar to those shown. Okay. So what I was. Yeah. Okay. So it wasn't necessarily based on a true story. It's that, it became a true story afterward. <laughs> yeah. I got to show that to Teddy when she gets a little older. I oh, think yeah. she'll like it. Yeah, that'll be I want her to get into heist films where they're sneaking around and they're doing shit. Oh, they're so Oh, and fun. the way they make you root for people that you know are bad guys. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's kind of like film noir. You yeah. Know, it's that fascination with people who are career criminals. Well, one of the tropes is that they always present the cops as interfering, stupid, doofuses, or... Although, you know, that's not necessarily always the case. I mean, you, you take um, uh, Taking of Pelham 1, 2, 3. Okay. The yeah. original one from the 70s, you've got Walter Matthau as a cop and Robert Shaw as the head of the, the criminals. I mean, it's, it's less of a heist movie. Well, it, it, it's, it's a ransom movie. Really. Okay, they, yeah, yeah. they They essentially steal a subway car and then hold it for ransom. And okay. it's it's a whole cat and mouse game between a very smart cop and a very smart urban terrorist. Yeah, I mean, but you're always rooting for the terrorist. Yeah, to to some degree. I mean, Although to... I mean, I mean, taking Pelham one two three actually kind of sides with Matho. Um, what what's interesting about it is it it gets very interested in showing how the cop is tracking down Robert Shaw's character, uh, including like kind of showing how the subway system works and 
it, it it's really interesting. I, I really love that movie. Okay. But I mean, I mean, yes, you are correct. Most of the time you're, it, it is the, the allure of the naughty people, the people who are thieves the adventure. That, that really draws you into the, well, into the narrative. Okay. I couldn't help but see Fish Called Wanda, right? Which oh, is yeah. the classic story of the outsider getting pulled into the yes. heist. Yes, yes. And being in some ways better at it than they are. Fish called Wanda, which which I adore, and I probably know it word for word because I've seen it so many times. I I love it because, I mean, as I was looking through this list of heist movies, there's not a whole lot for women to do in a lot of them. Usually, there's if there's a woman in in the cast, there's a token woman on the team that yeah is kind of there for almost eye candy. Well, Value. I mean, even in Italian and Job, Charlize Theron, but she's the safe cracker. Right, yeah. And she has at least some emotional investment. It was her father It was betrayed. Well, yeah, it, it the remake of Italian Job is at least better than most. In, yeah, in but even so, there's really only one woman. Mm-hmm. But what's great about Fish Called Wanda is, what Jamie, a woman. Jamie Lee Curtis. And she drives the entire plot. Oh, Whole things about her. Yeah, and she's the smartest one of the whole bunch. Oh, every, yeah. 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 Well, <laughs> if you <laughs> to compare her to Kevin Klein's character. Yes. <laughs> but what I love is the line where she goes, Those are all wrong. I looked them up. <laughs> what I love is she's smart, but she's still ignorant. Yes. So that's how you can understand why she would ever be with a character like Kevin Klein's character. Oh, yeah. Otto. Well, yeah, the sex was good, too. Was it really? Well, she seemed to enjoy it. Was it really? <laughs> he has a nice singing voice. <laughs> I don't think it was. You could catch air. You got daylight as he, like, caught air bouncing. between each thrust. And then... I'm sorry, any man who makes that face is not doing anything for the woman. He just isn't. But I think what really makes that that film work is that the characters, every single one of them, is so striking. Yes. I they, mean, There's not a single dud in the entire script. No. Just so much fun. Every single one of them. <laughs> and, and Kevin Klein won an Oscar. Like, one of the few comedy Oscars... Because he's so... He's so good. <laughs> I cannot so... actually recommend National Treasure, except that I kind of love it. And I've gotten recommendations through the website from other listeners who love National Treasure, including from a British man. <laughs> <laughs> it's not Mr. good. Mr. Graham, we love you. It's not good. It's just great. <laughs> I mean, that's we, should, really... we, we should have touched on that in our bad movies episode. It's not good. We, we've mentioned great. it like four times in other episodes. <laughs> it's true. I'm going to touch briefly on the score. Mm-hmm. We're, I, uh, you should, because I have not seen the score. And then that talks also about this, this twist thing, like, oh, maybe you can't trust them. Maybe you can. Maybe they're unreliable. Oh, mm. I'm double-crossing you, but I'm double-double-crossing you. How many crosses have there been? What? My mind is blown. <laughs> okay, so that is Edward Norton okay. and Robert De Niro, who, hmm. it's not a great heist film. I want to make that clear. Okay. This is not a classic for the ages. But what it is, is two actors just having a great time seeing who can chew more scenery. I'm all on board for that sort of action. I mean, because Edward Norton is a terrific actor. He yeah. still has not had the career his talents deserve. I don't know what yeah. that's about. He still gets work, though. He gets work, but I'm just, is he just picking shitty projects? Does he need to fire his agent? I don't know. But this man, I mean, this is the same guy who turned in American History X. Yeah. He did Primal Fear, which is it was his breakout role, which, yeah, the plot is a little trite and contrived, but his performance is jaw-dropping in that. Mm-hmm. And, and he, Fight Club, you know. And Fight Club. Which is a tremendously fun movie. And then, you, and then he turns around and he directs Keeping the Faith, which is this light, charming comedy where you see that he's also just kind of adorable. Mm-hmm. Right? This is a guy with a lot of range, and yet his career has just been sort of meh. Well, he's kind of an actor's actor. Yeah, maybe. Maybe that's it. All I know is he, he managed... Somebody said... Robert De Niro, Edward Norton, and everybody went, well, that needs to fucking happen. Well, yeah. And, of course, it's this heist film. And what's fun about it is 
So Robert De Niro is this experienced criminal and he's like, somebody's like, Ooh, I've got a heist for you. I think it might be Marlon Brando. Dude. Yeah, it is Marlon Brando. <laughs> Marlon Brando in this, <laughs> when you know that it's Marlon Brando, you can't help but watch the scenes and go, this whole scene is happening because in some part, Marlon Brando's crazy made it happen this yeah. way. And you just know that, I think it happens like in a sauna. <laughs> Or something. <laughs> you you just got to know that in some point of that scene, Marlon Brando's crazy manifested itself, and Marlon Brando's like, "I've got the perfect inside man for this. He's all set up. You don't know him though." And so, of course, Robert De Niro, the experienced man, is like, "I don't know him. I don't trust him. But but but, can I trust him? What if he's you know an asshole?" And then he meets Edward Norton. When you first meet him, he's playing the character that he is infiltrated mm-hmm. with. And then he drops the character and you're like, oh, oh, look at that. Oh, mm-hmm. look at the acting going on, the <laughs> acting going on there. And then the plot unfolds and there's all these twists and turns. And it's, yeah, it's a great heist film. And I don't want to say too much because of the twists and turns, but there's delightful schadenfreude that happens in several points of just, oh, you were, you were a jerk and you got what you did. Oh, you did that. You deserved that. Mm -hmm. Mm, It was very delicious. And I do recommend it. It's not great. It's just awesome. Speaking of De Niro, we've got Heat. Yeah. Which is Michael Mann. I like it a lot, but it's very... Am I the only one who thinks it's very mechanical? Yeah, and Michael Mann's movies are always like that. Yeah, they really are. And I've never really enjoyed Michael Mann films. Now, was that the I last appreciate film? Michael Mann films, but I, you know, it's like, okay, my, it's a Michael Mann film, I'll watch it, but I never fall in love with them. And, and if you, they're if interesting, you like, they're interesting, and while I'm watching them, yeah. I'm really fascinated, but then I walk away and go, yeah. Yeah, and Heat is is no exception. There there are parts I really love about Heat. Actually, now is, there I like the heist itself in Heat with Val Kilmer and the, yeah, I was going to say the van and the and isn't the, that the last thin Val Kilmer movie? That might be because I, I mean, that sounds really judgy. That, that, but that, that's true. really judgy. Oh my I'm, god! I'm sorry, but they're sort of so judgy. There's listeners Val- take a drink. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Thin Val Kilmer and the roles he played when he was Thin Val Kilmer. Yeah. And then when he became larger Val Kilmer, let's face it, he picked different roles or different roles were given to him. And yeah. I love Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. So oh, yeah. He's, he's a fantastic actor regardless of his, you know, waist side. Uh, waist side? Waist, Wait, waist size. size. <laughs> of course, when he's super skinny in Tombstone, we need to do a Westerns episode because... Yeah. Tombstone. Again, not a great movie. Oh, not a great movie at all. (laughs) But Val Kilmer is worth the price of admission. I love Soderbergh movies pretty much as a blanket statement. uh, Chain notwithstanding. Oh, Chain. That was a noble Um, effort. Melissa, by the way, gestured way out to the side. Way out to the side. Che is way out to the side. Che is way way over there. Oh, my goodness. A noble effort. I, I appreciate what he was doing, but nah. anyway, okay, uh, Ocean's wait, Eleven, though. I feel like Ocean's 12 and 13 should belong over there somewhere. I agree. Too. We'll bring it back, back into bring the it back, bring, it back. bring it back to bring Ocean's back. Eleven. Ocean's Eleven. Ocean's, Ocean's 12 and 13 <laughs> don't exist. Well, I'll get to that in a moment. Okay. Ocean's Eleven, I feel, is really masterfully directed. It's very compact, even though it has this wonderful breezy feel. Yes. And it's kind of an actor's movie in that I'm, I've heard the commentary track on the disc. And the actors were given a lot of leverage to do what they needed to do with their, well, their and it's characters. Very, it's very visual. And so much is yeah. a shot. Establishes yeah. place and tone and character. Boom, we're done. Let's move on. Yeah, and it, it is just a masterwork of directing. And it and, and a it great is use fun. of voiceover with a different visual so that you are walked through things with this voiceover, but it shows you so you've got the visual lock-in so you understand mm-hmm. the heist that's about to come. And it's even great, um, like when they introduce the Julia Roberts character mm-hmm. and how Matt Damon introduces her. It's really well done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it, they they establish that trope of a heist is 
sort of this Rube Goldberg machine of yeah. we, need to, we need this to fall in place here. We need to know the patterns so that we can manipulate the patterns. And every day at three o'clock, they go on a cigarette break for four minutes. Mm-hmm. I, I love how Ocean's Eleven just feeds you just enough information to keep you going and you never figure out how it was completely accomplished until the very end. Yes. And yes. They show you that tree hanging, right? Yeah. They show you the the air freshener in the truck mm-hmm. early on, completely devoid of any context. Mm-hmm. And when they come back to it, you're like, oh, yeah. oh I get it. Is that John, Don Cheadle? Yes. Good God, what a cast on that thing. I, I mean, know. And Don all Cheadle. 11 of them are just stellar. And okay. we're Bonnie. Rubble. <sighs> Trouble. <laughs> I I love the the characters are so well established that by the time you get to the end and they're in front of the Bellagio fountains and there's that beautiful sweeping piano piece it's actually kind of emotionally moving and you get to there's the part a, there's an emotional payoff of, yeah and you, you did and, it and you get to the point where you know it's just Carl Reiner in front of the fountain you know, everybody else has kind of left and gone their separate ways. And it's just him as the, the aged member of this group, the, the senior member just kind of going like, yep, we still, yep. we did it. We still, I it. went out on a high note and, oh, yeah, and, and it's like genuinely kind of moving and you wouldn't expect and I mean, it. And from... there's depth there, like an, an aging con man who never quite pulled off the big one. Mm-hmm. And here's his last chance. And this is, a second tier character in this movie. Yeah. And it's still like, it's right there. Very sharp. It's, oh yeah, it's really well done. Oh, and any of you out there, if you have the DVD, I recommend listening to the commentary track because it's it's Soderbergh. It's it's like film school in a box. Also, it's beautiful. I love the extras on that disc because the costuming, Mm -hmm. the costuming featurette is fantastic because it's actually relevant and interesting Mm -hmm. of how they costumed each character. Yeah. It's actually good. It's Mm -hmm. good information that, when you watch the movie, you're like, totally, of course that's what you do. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and and also, every single actor in the movie looks like they're having the time of their fucking lives. They're having a great time. Yeah. So it's like true to the original Ocean's Eleven, only it's a good movie. Yeah. Oh, snap. Jazz hands. Now, the problem with the sequels, oh, okay. which I have seen. I saw Ocean's Twelve, and it was just... Barfalish. Yeah, the, the, I think I think with the sequels they went more for the let's set up the playpen for the actors and let them have fun, and and there's none of the cohesiveness of the first film. Uh, but I just am like Soderbergh, you're still in charge. How did why why would you not have you know a script? Mm-hmm. Why did you think this would be okay? Soderbergh every once in a while goes out on a limb to just try something new. And I think that may have been one of those times and it just didn't gel. Fail. Point break. Yeah. Okay. That is def- that is a great heist film. Oh, God. So much I fun. Mean, trashy, here- good fun. And Catherine Bigelow, director. Directed Except by a woman. Except that it's not trashy. You think it's oh, trashy it, until it, you it, go back smarter. and watch it because it's smarter. Because we talked about it that It is smarter lot. than you think, but it does have that delicious trashiness. Now, you want to ha- trashy? Hudson Hawk. Hudson Hawk is fucking, fucking trashy. trashy. But so delightful. Yeah. Okay, any of you who are snobbish about Hudson Hawk need to drink yourself three beers or whatever else drink you love and just yeah. shut up and watch the movie and just let go and enjoy it for the ridiculousness of it. Just just watch the Richard E. Grant scenes and yeah, Richard with, with e. Sandra Grant Bernhard. It's having the time of his yeah, life. Yeah, also, well, both of them. They're, they're a unit. Yes, they are. Mm-hmm. And I love the concept. I will always love the concept of trying to time out a heist based on musical numbers. Of course you would. It's like, well, this will take four minutes and two seconds. And of course, they have such an extensive knowledge of all the music in the world mm-hmm. that they're like, well, this song, this song, this song, no, that song. <laughs> and that they would of course sing it in perfect time that it will time out perfectly. Uh-huh. I love that conceit. I do. Oh, snatch. Snatch is fun. Oh, 
do you like dags? <laughs> and that was along with um, 12 Monkeys because really Brad Pitt in Snatch was before he had been acknowledged as mm-hmm. an actor. Well, he was a movie star and there was, there was sort of the one, two punch of 12 Monkeys and Snatch where it was like, I'm sorry guys, we need, just need to acknowledge the fact that Brad Pitt actually has talent. Three Kings. Yes. It's a war movie, but it's a heist film. It's totally a heist film. Yes. Oh, and, it oh. is. I, I I love war movies. I love heist films and that Venn diagram. Is well, and it's right David O. Russell, so it's got that yeah. quirk. Yeah. I love the quirk of it. And that was right when George Clooney was, was establishing his cred. I think that's the first David O. Russell movie I ever saw. Really? I think so. I'd have to look at his filmography to yeah. know. But, but that was I mean, one of his earlier ones. Yeah, well, it, it that, definitely that was. That sort of established David O. Russell, too. Yeah, but, oh. but man, it was so good. Inside Man. I'd well, like to talk a little bit about Inside Man. Okay, we'll come back to Inside Man. Okay. Die Hard. Everybody's seen Die Hard? Yeah, everybody's seen it. Great heist film. Every Christmas, watch it. And again, all the twists. Mm-hmm. And you watch them unfold. Mm-hmm. You know, you asked for a miracle. I give you the FBI. <laughs> The usual I've, suspects. Oh God! And oh, and Die Hard when John McTiernan was at the top of his game. When John McTiernan knew what the hell to do. Yeah. I don't know what the hell happened, but oh sweet Jesus, John McTiernan. Ugh. What yeah. what a loss. Usual suspects, totally a heist. Yep. Inception gets. Inception is such a heist. It's such and, a heist. And it, and it's but it's, it's the heist of a person's brain. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and it's not about stealing something, it's about putting something in. That's a fun idea. Yeah. That is a fun idea. It's kind of a con. Yeah. Right? Because oh, a con is also, in a way, the idea of putting something in, of mm-hmm. making you believe something that isn't true. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. But man, Inception. Now that said, I know, I, I, Inception leaves yeah. me a little cold. I love it in concept, but in execution, it's a little long, and it's trying too hard to be cool. Well, man, it is, it is a triumph of style over substance, if anything. But man, it is it, the, oh, the first time I, great. I remember the first time I ever watched it, and it was just absolutely fucking dazzling. I wanted more Joseph Gordon-Levitt. I kind of always well, want you kind of always want more jo- Joseph Gordon-Levitt, and also it just seemed so heavy-handed. The whole is it real or isn't bum 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 with the top. Granted, I had just broken my ankle and I was on a lot of narcotics, but I was very frustrated by the film. Dog Day Afternoon. Duh. A, a bank heist gone wrong. Always a super fun time. Definitely based on a true story. Yes. In which, uh, it, it directed by the late grade Sidney Lumet. Lumet? 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 I thought it was Lumet. I, it's not Lumet. Lumet. I looked it up. I looked it up. It is. Lumet? It, there is a Lumet Lumet doesn't sound good. I would, if I were Sydney, Lumet. I would be like Lumet. Lumet. Yeah, that's I, I think it's Lumet. No. <laughs> okay, so directed by the late great Sidney Lumet, who's wonderful. Al Pacino. Al Pacino tries to rob a bank in order to pay. For, as we learn later, it's to pay for his partner's sex change, and his partner, played by uh, Chris Sarandon, if I remember oh, right, in one I of think his you're right. really you're right. early in one well, of his and Chris really Sarandon early was super pretty when he was younger, so that would make oh, sense. Oh yeah. But it, it, the whole second half of the film is basically the whole situation devolving and El Pacino desperately trying to save it. What a wonderful movie. American Hustle. American Hustle. Ah. David O. Russell. Yeah. David O. Russell again. Um, I really liked it. And you know, when, when you get to the, like the, the best Oscar, best picture Oscar movies every year, you kind of go, uh, most of them are usually kind of the, oh yeah, you were vying for an Oscar. David O. Russell has been turning out some really fun Oscar vying movies lately. And I really liked American Hustle. Okay, I still need to see it. I yeah, know. yeah, you I do. It, uh, Christian Bale has, it, well, actually the, the, Top three actors in the movie are all fantastic. Christian Bale is great. Amy Adams is great. Bradley Cooper is great. They're all playing just these amazingly lovely characters. It's a true story. It's about two con people. They're a couple. You know, Christian Bale and Amy Adams are 
or couple and they're they're con artists and basically they get caught and the FBI kind of coerces them into cooperating with an FBI agent to introduce basically insert the FBI agent undercover into the mob. Oh, okay. And actually calling it a heist film is a slight spoiler because it they're they're using him as leverage as well as he's using them for leverage. Okay. And it's I mean the cast it's is wonderful. great and the director is great. It's just I haven't gotten around to it yet it, because it, it's like, a fantastic period piece too. You'd love the costuming. I w- I know I would love the costuming <laughs> of the 70s. Oh my goodness. Okay. Bob Le Bob Le directed by Jean-Pierre Melville, who's one of my favorite French directors. French, um, French, and um, broke old gambler runs a heist against a casino, against the i the advice of a cop friend. Yeah, that was my my summary of it. Yeah, uh, Bob Flambeur, It's a very stylish black and white mm-hmm. French cinema film. And are there the, a lot of cigarettes? You know, oh, there are so many cigarettes, but it it mostly centers on this old kind of broken down gambler who is kind of running the last heist because he is desperate. Ah. And, and it's, it's this lovely character study of both him and, and his friend who is like this old cop and, and the cop is advising him, no, you don't want to run this heist against this casino, but the desperation gets the better of him. And to watch it all play out is really nice. Oh, that reminds me of, um, would it be a heist? Would it be a car chase? Or would it be a con, um, the transporter yeah. relationship between Jason Statham and the French cop? Where the French cop comes around oh, yeah. and is like, um, so this uh, robbery went down and I'm assuming you have an alibi? <laughs> well, of course I have an alibi. Of course you do. Because... I never would want to believe you would be anywhere near this place doing this thing. <laughs> I'll just be leaving now. Okay. Um, Doom. 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 Okay. We, need, we need to talk about Doom we need and to- Doom 2. There okay. is also now Doom 3. Oh, I yes. didn't know that. Okay. Yes. I okay. have not seen Doom 3 yet. But Okay. Okay, Doom. D-H-O-O-M. Bollywood heist. Doom. 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 It's a Bollywood heist film. Now, the original Doom is okay. I mean, it's fun, right? It's got pretty okay characters. What I look for... It's awesome, listeners. It's awesome. Okay, the problem... The reason why I'm not as in love with it as Melissa is, what I look for in a Bollywood is a higher production level with the Bollywood numbers. Now, Doom, in terms of plot, is super-duper fun. It's this cop trying to catch robbers, and he's got this kind of bumbling robber that he enlists to be his stool pigeon and it, it unfolds the way you would think it would unfold. And it's very entertaining. It's very entertaining. And okay, I, the, the, the final chase involves a boat chasing a car, if I remember right. I think so, yeah. Yeah. It's super Not, not in the water, by the way. It, yeah. 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 It's, it's very fun. Yeah. It's oh, very God. It's slapsticky. Ridiculous. It's very slapsticky. The way they were playing it in Bollywood was very much for the comedy. And it's really enjoyable. And I do actually recommend it. Now, Doom 2, we will post on our Facebook the opening number, which involves <laughs> Ritik Rashan, who is fantastically beautiful. Woo-hoo. And he's... He's sort of elastic. I call him the rubber band man. And he's got these long legs and he has the best fan kick I've ever seen. <laughs> and I kind of just want him to wrap those legs around me. Holy cow. Yeah. And he's, he's got 11 fingers too, right? Yeah. He's yeah. Ritik, Ritik three thumbs. He's yeah. got an extra thumb. He's also in Cal- um, Koimil Gaia, which is the sort of E.T. ripoff mm-hmm. sci-fi film. Anyway, Doom 2 has Ritik Rashan as our new master thief. And Ashwarya Rai, who is probably one of the most beautiful women in the world, as his sort of other master thief and their competing master thieves. But they agree to go on a heist together, but they're actually attracted to each other. Boom, boom, boom. And the the tie-in character is the cop character Mm -hmm. and the bumbling sort of stool pigeon thief now turned informant character trying to capture them. As they commit this amazing heist, yeah, 
It, and it is amazing. It is amazing. It is amazing. And the heisting is fantastic. And the dance numbers are just off the chain. <laughs> Holy shit. Isn't that the one with the basketball scene, too? I Yes. There's, ba- there's basketball. There's in a it. basketball yes. scene. And, yeah. But the opening, the whole opening sequence involves watching Ritik Rashan commit this amazing heist where he dresses up as the Queen of England. Yeah. And then he sand surfs. <laughs> sand surf sail things and, it's, <laughs> and then it goes into this dance number and by the time the opening sequence is done you're like i am totally on board with this i i'm in love yeah it, it's ridiculous it's and ridiculous i and believe wonderful. both of them are on netflix instant right now oh my god doom yeah. to it oh they're they're both <sighs> watching both watch they're, them just they're a hell of a thing there it's a hell of a thing and then you'll find yourself doing the doom to move do machale and he does this sort of rock guitar thing and then he sort of rocks out with his hips it's so great <laughs> i love it so much now another heist film gone in 60 seconds although i want to save major discussion for this of this one for the the car crash car crash episode yeah. but gone in 60 seconds the original one <gasps> the original one. Okay, I'm skipping down to Man on Wire because that is a good point. Yeah, Man on Wire is actually a heist film. It is a heist film. So but man- it's a documentary about a man who simply wanted to walk on a high wire. Yeah, so Man on Wire is a documentary that came out, what, 2002, 2003? Something like that. Yeah, it was, it, it's, it's about uh, Philippe Petit, a French performance artist who in 1974 this you know it's a documentary so this is a true story in 1974 he saw the the, the, twin, the, towers. the, the twin towers the trade centers in uh, new york city being built and he said i want to walk on a high wire between those two so and and the documentary is about he and a team breaking into the construction site of the twin towers so they could set up a high wire however many hundreds of feet up oh my god thousands to thousands of feet up Barf. so just so he could tightrope walk between the two and he buildings. did and he tightrope walked between the yeah. two buildings and it's caught people it was videotaped and when you watch it it's amazing and all i of course the acrophobic can think is oh my god I might throw up. It, oh. it is seriously one of the best documentaries I've ever seen. Though. You know, it, it's it a is great documentary. So engaging, and it is structured like a heist film, even though they're not—they're not stealing something; they're doing something definitely illicit. Yeah, and you ha- as and they're they, trying to figure out, like, well, how can we break in? How yeah. can we make this happen? And they're and how, how do the team we deal and- with the sheer weight of the cable we have to drag up there? How do we get it between the two towers? How do we and, make sure that it is secure yeah. enough to, for somebody to walk on when the wind at that height is going to be tremendous? Yeah, and and so, and, it, and and it it is revealed like a heist movie. So you have you have each problem revealed to you, and then how they solved it. And it is it's an exceptional movie. It's truly engaging. And when I first saw this, I saw it in the theater when it first came out. And I, I think the most remarkable thing about the movie is it came out right after the, the disaster of nine 11. Yeah. And this is a movie that is entirely about the twin towers that never, ever, ever makes a reference to what was their ultimate demise. It's this ultimately very, positive and magical story about what happened to them when they were being built. Yeah. And it, 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 when it came out, it was a very, I don't know. It was very cathartic in a way. It was a reminder that those buildings were something more than a tragedy. Mm -hmm. We talked about sneakers, Bonnie and Clyde, of course, Butch Cassidy. Hold on, hold on. Sexy beast. Sexy beast. We need to talk about sexy beast. Ben Kingsley. Oh my God, he is such a beast in that film. Yes. So I, I kind of think of Sexy Beast kind of in almost the um, Ocean's Eleven category in that it's kind of an actor's movie. Yeah, it's really, that... it does it does really seem like they just put it together for people to have fun. Ooh, yeah. And I dribbled on my sock. And um, hello, white on my sock. Ray, Ray Winstone's a lot of fun, but that movie is all about Ben oh Kingsley. Oh my god! Every time Ben Kingsley sweeps on screen, he is 
terrifying. Because Ben Kingsley has this twinkle in the eyes. Mm -hmm. He's so warm. Yeah. Even in sneakers, right? Yeah. Yeah. Even when he's actually the bad guy, he's so likable and charming and charismatic. And of course, you can't help but think it's fucking Gandhi. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. And then he, and there was something groundbreaking about Sexy Beast that when he showed up, everybody sort of leaned back and went, what? And and he's like just this raw machismo gone bad. He's just like, fuck you. Yeah. And fuck you and give me a steak and. Shut up and sit down and I will knife your nads. <laughs> oh my oh, god, man. he's just he is the toughest, meanest, scariest thing mm-hmm. ever in that movie. And totally he was nominated for an Oscar, if I remember right. He didn't win, but he was nominated and deserved totally it. deserved it. It it it's an amazing performance. And the movie around it's a lot of fun, too, because the, the plot of it is that Ray Winstone's this master safecracker who has retired. And he's living this very comfortable life that he absolutely loves. And Ben Kingsley is sent in as this thug to bully him into another job. You have to do another job. I don't want to. Yeah. My life is perfect. And why would I Why would yeah. I endanger this? Fuck yeah. you. Do it. And. You know, ultimately he does get pulled back in, but it's it really is all about the conflict between Winstone and Kingsley. So, I mean, there are two types of heist films. The ones where they get away with it and the ones where it all goes sour. Yep. To Catch yeah. a Thief, to catch Cary a thief. Grant. And Grace Kelly. And Grace Kelly oh, in that gold dress. In the dress. gold. The gold oh, dress. But also Cary Grant in black, slimming black, crawling around on rooftops it's alfred hitchcock so of course it's it's at least worth watching (laughs) did you know what uh alfred hitchcock said about um grace kelly when she showed up in the gold dress what there's hills in them they're gold (laughs) (laughs) all right so i want to i want to uh drop a mention of duck you sucker yeah, which is a there's other ones I feel movie. like we can skip, but we can go back to Duck, yeah. You Sucker, and there was a couple we wanted to touch on as we wound up. So yeah. Duck, You Sucker. Duck, You Sucker. A Sergio Leone. A Sergio Leone movie. Um, it sounds like a comedy? Not really, although it's got a different tone than most Sergio Leone movies. And I, I think it may be my favorite Sergio Leone movie. I know I'm probably weird in that because they're fantastic Sergio Leone movies that I also love, but Duck You Sucker, I feel, is the one that nobody's seen. And it's James Coburn and Rod Steiger. (laughs) Oh my god. I know, right? So James Coburn is playing this IRA explosives expert who somehow winds up in Mexico, right? Oh, oh, wait, Irish? Irish. In Mexico. I know. Okay. Okay. Uh, now, okay. Now, now, okay. now, 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 now listen to I'm this. There, I'm there. Now I'm listen to this second part. Okay. Rod Steiger as a Mexican bandit. What? <laughs> oh my God. And this is as bad as Clint Eastwood's dubbing. Oh, no, no, no. It, it, this is like uh, uh, Charlton Heston as a Mexican in Touch of Evil. But anyway, oh. so, so it's the two of them. I mean, just just go with it. It's it's Coburn and Steiger. Anyway, Honestly, it doesn't and matter their ethnicity. They're having the time of their lives. They're, they're pretty good. And um, so Steiger's character sees that uh, Coburn's character is this master at explosives, and he tries to pull him into doing all these robberies in mexico but you know being a sort of political activist coburn is more interested in the mexican revolution at the time so okay yeah so there it it's another one of those things where the venn diagram of war movie and and ah, heist yeah. movie overlaps sure it's just bizarre it's bizarre for so many ways and i will just stop describing it you should just see it it is a strange movie and of course it's Sergio Leone so it's got that sweeping style and it's really quite a thing to watch okay briefly we'll go through Bound have I already told the story about the first time we watched this on this podcast I think so I think so briefly to touch back 
Chris Jones lent it to the Wicks. I happen to stop by to just hang out. They're like, we're going to watch this movie. We start the movie and all of us are like, why did Chris Jones give us lesbian porn? It's hot. It's hot. But that's how the movie starts. We're just like, oh, why are we watching lesbian porn again? Well, it's by the same guys who did The Matrix. That's why. And mm-hmm. then the story unfolds. Yes. Oh, my it is. God. And I am not a big Meg Tilly fan. Mm-mm. I am not. I find but her. But she's kind of perfect in that. She is. And Gina Gershon. Mm-hmm. She, Gina Gershon is perfect. Yeah. And she is hot in a way that I don't usually find her hot. But well, she was just hot. Well, I think, course, I think, I think the reason Meg Tilly works in that movie is because she's paired with Gina Gershon. Yeah. They're, they're kind of these opposites that Yeah. Gina Gershon well is so earthy and yeah. Meg Tilly is so wispy mm-hmm. or something. And then Joe Pantoliano, I always want his name to be Neapolitan, like, okay. I, like ice cream. Anyway. And he, mm-hmm. he's kind of delightful like that. And it's such a He good, was in the Goonies. He was. He was. He was. He was. <laughs> um, and I love the film as a heist film because you're rooting for these two women and you keep believing it's going to get yanked out from under them. Mm-hmm. And it, it adds this, ah, this stress, this tension, because there's no way these two women are going to win. Mm-hmm. And, and that adds this layer to the twists and the turns of the plot. And at the same time, the characters are great. The heist is fun. And Joe Pantoliano in his boxer shorts, blow drying money is <laughs> that, the funniest goddamn thing. That is one of the great scenes in cinema history. Honestly, that, that whole scene where he, he it starts with the money, money laundering. He yeah. literally launders money. Yeah. I, there, there are scenes in certain movies where it's like, this is a great movie. This is a great movie. And then one scene, it just, shoots up to level 14 and you go, this is the most amazing thing ever. And it's just that there's this perfect scene in the middle of it. And bound has one of those. Yes. And it, when it, when it, Joe Pantoliano. Yeah. When it's Joe Pantoliano laundering money and then it goes into the slow motion. Yes. And you just go, Ah. And that's when you're like, well, of course these people made the matrix. Yeah. What was our last film? Inside man. Inside right Man, there. yes. Inside Man. Spike Lee, who I actually have problems with as a director. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's uneven, to Une- say the least. To say the fucking least. Well, but a when- man of great ideas who gets so caught up in, in the trappings of delivering them that the message gets lost. I agree with that. But when Spike Lee is on, he's on. Yes, that I, is true. I just recently saw a 35 millimeter print of Do the Right Thing at Ebert Fest this year. And, and it's it so was good. so good. Well, it's such I a really good movie. loved a lot about Bamboozled yeah. in terms of what it was trying to say, but it just it got too self-involved. Yeah. And and I I can appreciate Spike Lee being a very um political director. And I love and, having political directors. Oh, yeah. Fucking talk about it, man. Oh, yeah. yes. Yeah. And and one of the... But I think Inside Man is really one of... A very interesting intersection of his interests. Yes. Yeah. In that Inside Man is, on the surface, just a plain old heist movie. You've got a guy who is... Was it a guy or a team? It was a team, wasn't it? It was a team. Yeah. And it it's this... A, a, a team of cops and a team of robbers involved yeah. in this bank heist. And it is very much a an adverse it is very much a one against the other. Yeah. Without really taking sides because you're kind of rooting for both. Mm-hmm. And it and it's just this interesting cat and mouse between both of them. But there is all this stuff happening on the periphery because it happens in New York City. Mm-hmm. And it, it gets very involved in also showing what's happening in the community around the location of the bank. Mm-hmm. So Spike Lee gets to bring in his politics a little bit while also establishing this really interesting little heist. 
Well, it's a hell of a fucking cast. Yeah, because you've got Denzel Washington and Clive Owen and Jodie Foster, Jody Foster, Christopher Plummer, Willem Dafoe, Inside Man. A very good movie. A very good movie. I'm sorry, Denzel Washington hasn't still quite had the career he deserves. I, I absolutely agree. That said, he has delivered more than Edward Norton. Mm-hmm. In terms of just delivering some great performances in some solid fucking films. Is Trading Places a heist film? Oh. I think it is because they pull this switcheroo by the end that. No, the way they pull yeah. off the switcheroo at the end is a total yeah. heist. And yeah. I, and I think the end of Trading Places is kind of the epitome of the getting away with it fantasy. Yes. The. You are on the beach in some tropical location with a yacht. and I want a yacht. With, I do want a yacht. With Jamie Lee Curtis on it. Well, why would you? Well, yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm not even a, I'm, I mean, I don't, I'm not a lesbian. No. But Jamie Lee Curtis is a super duper amount of fun, too. Well, yeah. She's just a kicky woman. Yeah. You, I like her me, a lot. Jamie Lee Curtis on a yacht. That is a good time right there. <laughs> I want that time to happen. That would be amazing. And you know that there would be a bottle of wine and there would just be shenanigans. And there would possibly also be yogurt, which I could deal with. But I could do no yogurt's good for your tummy and that's cool. We need to wrap this up. What do we want to say about about heist films? Heist films (laughs) They're puzzle films. They are. They're so much fun. And that's what makes them fun is you are watching the puzzle. You're watching it get picked apart and put together. And as an audience member, you're like, I would be smart enough to put together a heist. And they're often about personality as well, because part of what involves you in the movies is that, first of all, you're intrigued by people who are involved in a life of crime. And they're smart people who are involved in a life of crime. And they usually present it as being very, very smart. Yeah. And And you want to believe you're as smart as they are. Right. But also, it's it's fascinating to watch their personalities interact, to clash, mm. and to sometimes even unravel this perfect thing that they've built. And then you, if you get away with it, then you're fabulously wealthy. Who doesn't dream about that happening? <laughs> I dream about that every day. So we need listener questions. It's time for listener questions. Yes. Who have we got this week, Melissa? Oh, you, you have to ask the first question and you'll find oh, out. Oh, oh, that's a good point. Okay. Um. Oh, dear listener, who are you? I am Brian the Big BS in PA. It works best in a deep resonant voice. Oh, okay. I am Brian the Big BS in PA. I'll do stuff in post. Okay. Yeah. Okay. P-A. P-A. P-A being Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. Yes. Pennsylvania. Yes. Okay. Yes. Uh, now, Pennsylvania, not Pennsylvania, right? Pennsylvania. Okay, because I've been through Pennsylvania, and that shit's scary. Yeah. Okay. Hey, Brian. 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 What do you do? I build with cubes while flaming kerbals fall around me. What is a kerbal? I think that's a reference to Kerbal Space Mission or whatever the, the video game is called. It's like Minecraft in space. Okay. Uh, yeah. I have Flaming I, Kerbals. No judgment against those who play video games. I just don't have time, so I'm mm-hmm. not up on it. Yeah. I, I spend my time creating dances. Yeah, my drug of choice is civilization. So oh, that's but a good I, one. Yeah. Uh, excuse me. <laughs> All right. Brian, what is in your personal pleasure dome? Hot and cold running pleasure, of course. (laughs) Well, that doesn't sound (laughs) odd at all. On a more practical level, a door to wherever and back I want to go. And back. Very smart thinking, Brian. I applaud you for your smart thinking. Open, walk through to Times Square, Mount Everest, Olympus Mons, anywhere and anytime. Ooh, ooh, yeah. Olympus Mons. Yeah. Mm, I like the way you think, Brian. Mm. Let's go to Mars. I want to go to Mars. No, Mars is good. Mars would be good. Yeah, yeah, be good. yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I want to go to the moon, too. I also oh, want to go to yeah. the moon. Have you read The Moon is a Harsh Mistress lately? <laughs> Not lately, no. It's a really good novel. Okay. I really like it. I have to. Okay. okay. All right. Boop. <laughs> <laughs>
this is this is me signaling. I'm okay. signaling. Uh, yes, yes. Signaling. Cut that shit out. Great, great radio. Great radio. It's good. It's good. It's good. My lips and, are numb. Yeah. Mm. Brian, what is your recommendation for our communal pleasure dome? A telepathic bartender. <gasps> oh, I love you, Brian. I know, right? Ah! He's one of our Brian's, therefore he is erudite and cherished. <laughs> <laughs> so, he writes a telepathic bartender. They will know exactly what drink you want and how you like it. What I want is a telepathic bartender who is also a bit clairvoyant. So he knows not just what I want, but what I need. Ooh. Ooh, that's good. Yeah, like you think you want a cider, but what you really want is a bit of ginger whiskey. Ah. Thank you, telepathic bartender who is slightly clairvoyant. (laughs) You are correct. That, by the way, when you put that in the recommendations page, it needs to be hyphenated. Telepathic bartender who is slightly clairvoyant. <laughs> who is slightly? I can I can do that right now. <laughs> All right, we need to wrap man. this episode up. So, listeners, this has been another episode of Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome. And if you're listening closely, it might be fun to do sort of a compare contrast between the way I talk at the beginning and the way I talk at the end because I am a lot more drunk now. I have been Wendy. That has been... Melissa. And we've been talking about heist films, and it's been super-duper fun. Mm -hmm. And so everybody go out and watch a heist film, but don't actually commit a crime because you're not as smart as you think you are. Pro tip. And don't don't ask friends to join you. Oh, God, because they'll just screw you up, man. I know. Although, if I were to commit a heist, Melissa, I would want you on my team. We'd make the best heist. We would! Make a good heist. All right. We'll see you, hear you, talk to you next week. Oh, dear listeners. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for joining us in the Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome. Our theme song was written by Tim Wick and Jeffrey Brown and recorded and mastered by Chad Dutton. New episodes arrive every Thursday. You can find us on iTunes and on Stitcher. You can also visit us at xanaducinema.com, follow us on Twitter at Xanadu Cinema, and like us on Facebook at Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome. a heist we oh we should we should and well, if, well, i mean i, I, I mean, think we, obviously we wouldn't want to plan a heist on the podcast where it could be used against us in a court of law we should plan a heist for something small you know start small well yeah you, you well you got to work out the kinks like like maybe a pack of gum or something Oh, but I feel guilty already stealing from people. I'd want to steal from assholes. We'd have to figure out a way to steal from assholes. How can we steal from the Ku Klux Klan? (gasps) I want to do that. Okay. 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 We have our heist vision.